Hello everybody, after a short break last week, we've reconvened the podcast to discuss everything sale related that has transpired over the previous fortnight. This week we'll be discussing everything from corporate hospitality to sabbaticals from rugby as we lead back into premiership action with an eye on sales trip to Northampton on Saturday. My name is Lewis, welcome back inside to Shark Tank and joining me is my good friend Alex. Alex, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm um, very well. It was nice to have a, a short break last week, um, given that we've reached that part of the Premiership and domestic season overall. I think it's nice to sort of take a step back, let the news gather, and uh, come back at it with uh, with, a, with a Tom Curry like ferocity. Yeah, exactly. It's that part of the season where we start messaging each other uh, on WhatsApp, going. Have we got any ideas for next week? Because the rugby is looking a little short, isn't it? But you know, we can. Uh, we're back into the Premiership now, which is quite exciting. So two massive games against Northampton and Wasps away. Um, so all the all the content is coming back to us. But yes, we mentioned the fact that last uh, last time out we ran our second annual mid-season awards, and a big part of that was uh, allowing you, the listener, to vote on said awards uh, on Twitter immediately uh, after the podcast aired. Uh, and Alex, you actually have the winners of the uh, awards as voted on by uh, the, the Shark Tank podcast listeners and Twitter followers. I do, absolutely. So we'll just run through them. Um, there's one award we have to make an apology on because as a million people pointed out to me, we missed off one very obvious nominee, but um, we were not forgiven for that. So uh, such is life. Player of the season, um, our headline award, our nominees Ross Harrison, Johnny Ross, and our winner Faf de Klerk. Um, I think this one was fairly obvious, although to be fair, closer than I expected, Johnny Ross with 33% and Ross Harrison with 23%. Um, but obviously, Faf has just been something else, even in a short space of time. Um, I don't think we have any arguments about that, no. really. Um, young player of the season this was the most controversial thing we've tweeted in about three years and I include everything Sam Peters related um, Tom Curry, our nominees for Tom Curry Kevin Wilkinson and Aaron Reid I'm very happy to accept that we completely missed Luke James out of this um, and he definitely deserved nomination and probably victory um, so sorry Luke I think someone's tweeted him and so I can't believe you missed him out and he liked it so I did say that so he knows um, someone pulled us up on the fact that Tom Curry isn't young anymore um, he is still 20 I know he's playing for England but he is still 20 um, but Tom Curry absolutely still on this 67 stem I think that's fair given that he's basically been the best player in England's two victories in the Six Nations so far um, but yeah I'd like to apologise to Luke because that is a massive oversight on our part um, signing of the mid-season um, again we've got Graves calling this the mid-season so just signing so far um, John Luke Dupree won this for 47% which I think is fair Rob Dupree with 26% and Chris Ashton with 27 I think it's probably fair to say that that's pretty consistent with what we thought um, comeback kid who's made the best return to form Josh Beaumont and Dennis Solomona uh, the other two nominees but the winner with 51% James O'Connor um, which again I think is pretty much what we, we, we would agree with. Biggest surprise, unsurprisingly, James Phillips. Um, sort of uh, massively impressive since his, his move from Bath. And again, I think um, the majority were with us there. Biggest disappointment, um, surprisingly, 70% went with Marlon Yard's injury. Um, 
which if you're on Twitter, you will have seen that he replied to our tweet, so you'll know that we're not just tweeting bollocks all the time because Alan agrees with us, um, which I think is entirely fair. The other two there are the Challenge Cup highlights and the Wasps game. Yeah, and then just taking us into the second half of the awards, we had uh, worst moment of the mid-season. Uh, the options were Sam Peters' affair, Harlequins away, and Alex's tweet after the Northampton game. Uh, the Sam Peters' affair uh, won at forty-five percent of the vote, although Harlequins came second with thirty-nine. So Alex is very pleased uh, that he hasn't been named and shamed as the worst moment of the sale mid-season so far. Um, our closest result, actually, of uh, of our little award ceremony, best transfer rumour, uh, Stephen Kitchoff, Brodie Retallick, Joe Launchbury, part two. Kitchoff won with 39%, although Brodie Retallick came in second with 38 So two names that uh, continue to be in the rumour mill uh, for sale. Um, and obviously two players that have uh, definitely got uh, fans' interests uh, peaked, if nothing else. Um, best contract extension, let's focus on the players who are here. Fafter Cloak won in a landslide, 92%. Tom Curry, 6%. John Ross, 2%. Unsung Hero, who's not getting the praise he deserves? I think we kind of loaded this one slightly because the options were Ross Harris and Rob Webber or the entire front row, and the entire front row won with 42%. Uh, the worst game that we've had so far, uh, Wasps at home, Bordeaux at home, Northampton at home, Bordeaux at home, won with 47% of the vote. Uh, best game, however, we only actually gave two options for this, Saracens at home with Gloucester away. Uh, Saracens actually won, which I think might have been a little bit of an upset, uh, with 65% of the vote. Uh, most exciting prospect, uh, which player we're most excited to see step up in the second half of the season, uh, Johan Ranzi van Rensburg, 78% of the vote, uh, who also won in a landslide over Cameron Redpath uh, and Chris Ashton. And Alex, I'll leave you to deliver the final award of our little mid-season uh, event. Indeed, most exciting fixture. Um, we have La Rochelle away, maybe, um, which is controversial given that my name even happen. Lost at home, which definitely will happen, and the big one at Falcons away. Um, again, a really close one. This Gloucester at home took it to 35%, La Rochelle 33%, the big one 32%, um, which I think is quite surprising for us because we've been banging on about La Rochelle. Uh, James threw Gloucester at home into the mix, which we hadn't even thought about. And as it turns out, it's the winner. So what do we know? Come back soon, James. Hey? Yeah, I mean, I think perhaps what we should have done is put La Rochelle away and then the other option could have been Bristol at home, uh, following on from a, yeah. a similar thread that we've been discussing uh, in previous weeks. Um, but yeah, so we want to say a big thank you to everyone who, who participated. It was just a little bit of fun. We sort of averaged around 150 to 250 votes per category. Obviously, some were a little bit more um, well taken up on by fans than others um, but we had a, a lot of fun doing the podcast and we had a, a lot of fun getting everyone's opinions on it including everyone who uh, sent us nasty tweets about the players that we forgot to include in the categories but such is life I suppose uh, so we finished actually the awards on the most exciting fixture I think it's fair to say that the last game that Sale played probably wouldn't qualify for this category given that it was uh, a dead rubber uh, at home to Newcastle Falcons uh, in the Premiership Rugby Cup Um we sort of preempted this a couple of weeks ago, Alex, when we sort of chatted about it being a bit of a dead rubber and there not necessarily being that much interest around it. Uh, the result ultimately meant that it was probably right for us not to get our hopes up with Sale falling 28 points to 12 uh, to the Falcons. Um, obviously, you were there and we want to talk a little bit about your experience at the game uh, slightly later. But uh, very quickly, is there anything that you think stands out from this fixture in terms of key learnings, uh, 
or what we can expect from Sale in the second half of the season? Um, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it was just like it was a nothing game, really. And although we showed flashes of decent play, I think Newcastle were there with something to play for, and we were there with nothing to play for. So it's hard. Um, the, the biggest thing I think, and the one thing that probably got most people down to the game, was the return of Rohan Jansi van Rensburg, who scored our first try. Um, with a frankly brilliant bit of play, chip over from Gil Wilkinson, collected by Aaron Reid, a great offload. Um, and then Rohan running in under the post. Uh, the people who were with me who um, have never seen Rohan before were just astounded at the size of him, which I think was fair. Um, you know, other than that, it was the sale didn't look great, but I don't think there's any need to worry about the fact that we didn't look great with a sort of half put together team against the Newcastle team with loads to play for, who put out a decent side. Um, defensively, a couple of lapses. It was quite an open game, as you'd expect in the Premier Rugby Cup. Um, and I think, you know, we just have to sort of chalk that one up to a bit of a nothing to play for, no real, you know, um, no real motivation. And, and that was the way of it. Um, you know, I think it's really hard to find anything out of it. I, I don't know whether, I mean, we can really take anything other than Rohan came back and, and some players looked decent. Uh, Aaron Reid, I still think, is a brilliant player. And what we could actually probably talk more about is Reid's nomination for um, player of breakthrough player of the season for, in the Premier League Cup, which is probably more interesting than this game in its entirety. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll touch upon that just very, very briefly. But I think, yeah, for me, the main takeaways from this game, it was great to see uh, a couple of players like Cameron Neal and Sam Moore make their returns from injury um, and obviously to get through on scares. And obviously the big one, of course, is, is Rohan Janzi van Rensburg. And it was great to see him immediately get on to the score sheet um, for the Sharks. But I agree, Alex, it's, it was a bit of a dead rubber. You could probably tell that from the players it's as as professional and, and as well disciplined as players are it is inevitable that in a game like this with nothing to play for it is going to be very difficult to to raise the team and and the fact that obviously uh quite a few teams have suffered from that very sort of same affliction this year in a broadly meaningless competition is it, it, not surprising and i think the fact that that cell went down obviously and, and suffered quite a heavy home defeat is disappointing but obviously nothing that we can sort of use to glean anything for about how the sharks will fare for the rest of the season uh yeah just quickly from me obviously van rensburg great try uh fantastic by aaron reed aaron reed looked dangerous throughout um and thoroughly deserves his breakthrough player the uh, player of the tournament award i think he's done very very well in uh, limited action in the in the premiership rugby cup it's a great springboard for him to sort of push his claim as that fourth or fifth uh, winger slash fullback in the Sharks' first team. Um, great to see, obviously, Valery Morozov um, get a few minutes uh, coming off the bench. It'll be interesting to see how, obviously, he develops uh, for the latter half of the season ahead of next season. Um, but I think overall, it was exactly as we painted it a dead rubber. Not a lot to talk about. And like you said, Alex, we should probably move on to Aaron Reid. So Reid joined some very esteemed company as a breakthrough player award nominee for the tournament including a couple of uh, very uh, well-known names at this point uh, Gabriel Ibitoye 
uh, Joel uh, Kapoku, uh, Tom Willis, uh, Ted Hill, James Grayson, uh, and then obviously Josh Bayliss, Aaron Reed, Tom Whiteley, Matt Gallagher, and Josh Coldfield. I can't even read that on the Premiership Rugby's official press release. Um, obviously, there's some very uh, highly rated names in uh, Kapoku, uh, Ibatoya, and uh, Ted Hill. Uh, amongst them, all players who are already in and around the England senior team, never mind uh, the England of the 20s team like Reed is. Um, so, very esteemed company. I think Reed winning might be a bit of a long shot, um, but at the same time, it's great to see him nominated. Yeah, definitely. I think we've had quite. Um, I vaguely remember Tommy Taylor getting nominated for the same award uh, in the year we got to the final of this competition. Um, and yeah, I think we will always struggle to get anyone to win it just on the size of fan base, really, um, more than anything. But it is a massive sort of recognition of the fact that Reid has been brilliant in this competition. He's been probably our best player in the whole competition. Uh, I think he's, you know, his big performances have come in these games and then sort of in the Challenge Cup as well. And, you know, it's just something that is deserved. and. I, we, we need it's it's really good for Aaron Reid because I think his development as a player has seen a massive spike this season um, in terms of first team level you know last season Cam Redpath Reid wasn't quite there whereas now Reid is up at that first team level for sure well, as we discuss uh, people winning things, uh, I think it's important that we move on to, to perhaps the most interesting part of uh, the uh, Sale Falcons Premiership Cup game uh, for you, Alex, in the fact that you were treated to uh, an exclusive taste of the corporate hospitality packages available at Sale Sharks. Yeah, I was, absolutely. Uh, I was very shocked about this because I think I was in work on the Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it was, um, and my phone just sort of, I had about I looked at my phone and there was about six messages from different people and I thought, oh, what's going on here? Um, and then looked on Twitter and lo and behold, I've won the Together Money box at the Falcons game, which um, a massive thanks to the club and Together Money for um, the opportunity. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, to go into a very quick review of what it was like, um, the corporate hospitality experience at Sale is genuinely really good. I've done it at um, a couple of Premier League clubs and doing quite a lot of lower league football hospitality through my uh, role as Scunthorpe United fan. Um, and it, the food was brilliant. The box experience is one of the best things ever. Just having your own little space, go out, watch the game, brilliant seats, um, really great stuff. Interviews with players before and after the game. Uh, Mark Crato hosts the whole top level where the boxes are. Um, so he does some chat before and after the game, man of the match presentations and stuff. Genuinely, we just had a brilliant, brilliant day out, and I massively recommend it to anyone who, if you've got a big special occasion, I'm pretty sure you can buy the boxes for individual games and stuff. It is expensive, um, but it's just such a good experience to have your own little, you know, there's 10 of you in the box, um, you have a brilliant time, you get a few beers, 
watch the game, you've got the box for the whole time, you've got TV so you can watch all the other sport, which meant we had all the City fans sort of nervously peering through the glass for the Arsenal game um, as the uh, last sort of 10 minutes played out. So I think they got slightly more interested in that than the, uh, <laughs> the inept rugby from sale on the field. Um, but it was just such a good experience and genuinely a massive thank you to both everyone who sorted it out for us and everyone who looked after us on the day because I think you know, Simon Orange talks about the corporate experience and it is a massive part of the revenue for the club, but it is something that you, when you're in there, even though it was a nothing home game against in a nothing competition, it was still a brilliant atmosphere and, you know, everyone's really friendly and just, we had an absolutely brilliant time, I genuinely can't stress that enough. Um, it is expensive and we were very lucky to get it for free um, and I have a promise, even though I got about 20 uh, messages of people going, oh, that's a fix then, isn't it? I promise there's no fixing uh, involved. As far as I'm aware, I did nothing other than the competition. Um, but it was just such such a good laugh. So highly recommend it. If you have the cash, do it. If you don't have the cash and someone's got like a 60th birthday or something brilliant experience for a sale fan really good day out and looked after really well I think that's that's all I can say I think I don't want too much and brag about it yeah I mean I think you could claim the fixes in if the winner of the competition was at Shark Tank Rugby so if, if yeah. Sale were deliberately fixing this, uh, you know, fair play for finding Alex's personal account. Uh, I also think as well, if you don't have the money, uh, just make sure you're into the competition because uh, yes. it might seem like the best way to, to win the experience. I must admit, I've never had the opportunity to do it. Uh, so if anyone at the club is listening, it would be a really good piece of PR work. Uh, but at the same time, um, from everything that I have heard about the experience, um, Everyone has sort of recommended it highly. No one's ever had uh, any issues, not to my knowledge, uh, in terms of like the, the experience or, or not even not about in terms of getting value for money. Uh, and obviously it is important because it's an important revenue stream for the club and it was arguably what was keeping the, the club afloat through the last couple of years of the Brian Kennedy era, given that the crowds at the AJ Bell were dwindling, but the fact that corporate hospitality was quite consistently very popular and would uh, would sell out for most games for most uh, for for the majority of the season. It did help keep the club afloat, and I think there's always going to be an element of um, disappointment that corporate fans would potentially get slightly more favourable treatment than the sort of regular fan uh, sat or stood in the stands. But at the end of the day, the corporate fans pay more money, and that's modern sport for you. Um, but yeah, so uh, it sounds like you had an absolutely fantastic time, Alex. I'm incredibly jealous. I would have loved to have done it. Uh, I'm definitely not disappointed you didn't invite me. Um, but there's there's always next time for uh, when we, we, we enter the competition through our three personal accounts plus the Shark Tanks account as well. Yeah. I know. I, I did... Uh... I'd have to place on record my apologies because it was the way I found out on Thursday night and started desperately ringing people. Um, it was it ended up being a, a group of pairs, and I had to take my dad because he's taken me for uh, to the rugby for the last fifteen years. So um, apologies to everyone that wanted an invite and didn't get one. I now know what it will be like if I ever win the lottery and I won it <laughs> because you have to disappoint a lot of people. Um, but that's the other thing one thing the facilities at the AJ Bell actually I know we give the AJ Bell loads of grief all the time 
but the corporate hospitality facility is brilliant compared to like Edge of Park, um, which I mean, I went in, I think as a mascot, um, I went in there a couple of times and it was fine, but you know, the, the Edge of Park is another level. So um, yeah, that's a, a little roundup and I'll stop talking about it now. Before. Yeah, you made a really good point actually about the age of Park. Just really quickly, I think everyone is in agreement that it is actually a superb facility. And if if Sale could purchase it and and regain all the sort of ancillary areas that have been sold off or, or leased out, uh, it would be a fantastic uh, it would be a fantastic ground to own. It is a shame about the location and, and the lack of public transport at the moment. But I think every everything around the stadium itself, and I imagine it would extend to corporate hospitality, is is uh, of a, a top quality modern stadium uh, especially um, given the sort of small size of it it sounds like uh, for all intents and purposes yeah the corporate hospitality is just uh, just an extension on that so moving on to slightly more somber news the big piece of news that broke uh, last week uh, was the fact that uh, podcast favorite and our very first interviewee Mark Jennings uh, has unfortunately uh, had to take a sabbatical from rugby. It was news announced during the week by Sale. Uh, it was a mutual agreement between the club and Jennings uh, for him to step away. Uh, and it, the given reason was due to Jennings' long and tumultuous uh, injury history, a hi- injury history which he has struggled to overcome uh, from the, over the last couple of seasons and indeed this season as well. Alex, what was your initial reaction to the news that Mark Jennings would be stepping away from rugby indefinitely? Um, it's a massive disappointment, genuinely, for a player who has showed so much promise during his career. And I think we all are equally gutted. Um, you know, not even from a rugby point of view, just from a personal point of view, we talk about how much you want to see sail lads do well and, you know, go on and represent, represent England and whatever. But fundamentally, you'd love to see them representing the club and especially, I think, but Mark has obviously come through the academy. It's just a massive shame. Um, that said, it's it's nice to see that, number one, the sort of support from everyone at the club and this has clearly been made with... You know, the, with Mark's consent and sort of, it's the right decision for him as a player. Um, I think the club have looked after him really well during his injuries. It's just a massive shame, but not a massive shock, if that makes sense. You know, I think it, we we sort of knew that everything had gone a bit quiet and we weren't sure where he was. And it may well be that it's the best decision for him and for the club and I think to be honest I don't care whether it's the right decision for the club the club's got loads of cash it's not really you know we've got inside centres it's not really an issue it's just whatever is right for Mark as a player and if it's the right thing to do then brilliant and hopefully with that sort of extended period of time away from the game um, he's obviously got a really young family as well so there's that to consider in all of this he'll be able to you know both set himself up for a career outside of rugby but hopefully make that return to rugby because I still think he's got more to give to the game Um, so yeah just genuinely the overriding thing is a massive disappointment but at least it's been handled really well by everyone involved yeah I mean I think it is just unequivocally a huge shame Um, not only for us as sale fans, not only for the club in terms of losing a, a valuable asset, but obviously as well for for Mark, who, who a lot has been made of the fact that he is the youngest player to ever sign a professional contract with Sale. 
signing a contract at 16 and, and you do wonder and this is obviously a, a broader conversation about what's happening with rugby especially as a, a professional career path the fact that Mark has had to walk away from something which is effectively all he's known for his adult life is is, is a is a huge shame and, and it does it, it is a significant worry in terms of, of, of obviously what that might uh, do in terms of his playing career but the facts as well it, it is just a shame to see such a talented player not be able to fulfil his potential at least for the current time being given that he's had to step away after what we can fairly say has been a, a, a terribly injury played couple of seasons but as you said Alex it's the fact that this has been made uh, on, on mutual terms this is something that Mark has elected to pursue himself uh, and the fact that this would hopefully lead to a resumption of his uh, premiership career uh, in the next couple of years and or, or seasons is something that we, we should be applauding both player and club for because it sounds like this was the, the right move for all involved and, and I have nothing but uh, the best wishes to offer Mark in, in his recovery from injury and, and uh, the hopeful resumption of his playing career. Yeah, and I think there's a wider point as well, not to take this too far away from Mark Jennings, but the way that Sale look after players um, and Steve Diamond looks after players generally is that if you show loyalty to the club, you'll get it equally in return and more. Um, it sort of reminds me of when Pat Sanderson all those years ago had a really bad I think it was a knee injury. Um, it was a bad injury of some sort. Anyway, playing for sale. And he was kept on um, the books for, abs- for quite a long time after that, even though he sort of was not looking like playing at any point. Uh, that was when Steve Diamond was um, at the helm. And I think it's that sort of, you know, we, we look after our own. and It's, it's just... It's a, it's a terrible story and a very sad story, but it's also there's a lot of positives within it um, in terms of the way it's been handled. And it's quite nice, I suppose, that you get we're getting communication on it when, you know, historically this might have sort of slipped under the radar. Um, so it is, it's just, I think, you, you can take some positives from it. There are some, um, but as we say, the overriding one is just a massive shame, but hopefully it is the right decision going forward. Right, shall we move on to more positive news um, and two current sale players who we hope aren't going anywhere, Tom Curry and Chris Ashton, absolutely battering France at the weekend, which was a delight to watch as a sale fan because I think, well, Curry was certainly one of England's best players and Ashton quietly had a brilliant game um, in the 14 shirt, what we all thought some England's magnificent victory over France and sales involvement. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there is already a sense that that image of Tom Curry with blood pouring from his face as he runs into Matthew Bastereau is going to go down as as one of the, the sort of best cult images uh, in, in rugby history. It is just unbelievable the amount of punishment that someone like Curry um, puts himself through, uh, not only for sale, but obviously now on the international stage as well. But the fact is, there is no doubt about it. Coming into the Six Nations, there was a little bit of uncertainty over whether Tom Curry or Sam Underhill were were likely to be sales starting seven at the 2019 Rugby World Cup in, in Japan. And I think Curry's phenomenal performances through the first two rounds of the Six Nations have just completely blown apart any sort of argument that he shouldn't be 
Sales number, uh, sorry, England's number seven at the World Cup. He's been absolutely superb, and, and I think you're already starting to see that recognition in world rugby around what a difference having a, an, an out and out jackal uh, as a as as a number seven has made for for England. And I think we cannot disconnect the impact and the performances of Tom Curry from this resurgent England side that we're, we've seen through the first two rounds of the Six Nations. Yeah, absolutely. I think that. The recognition that he's getting on like a national scale is just it's brilliant for him, it's brilliant for the club and you know, it's sort of this almost similar story but um much younger age than Mark Wilson. You know, Mark Wilson's been brilliant for Newcastle for years and he's now being found out as actually been brilliant for England as well. And same thing for Curry. I mean, it sounds ridiculous he's twenty, but we've been saying for two years these kids are unbelievable. Um, so hopefully it does more to promote um, the sale players as calls in the England camp but I think you just have to say what a perceptive performance from Tom Curry he was arguably the best player on the pitch in both absolutely astounding and yeah that image of him with blood all over his face you, you are right he's probably going to become one of those iconic images but it's just like it, it sums up what he is and what he puts himself through as you say and the way he plays and he just doesn't stop until someone pulls him off the field. Um, absolutely relentless. One of the best players in the Six Nations so far for me, even as a biased England fan. Um, genuinely brilliant. Uh, to go on to Ashton, I think a couple of moments of class from him. Um, the chip through for Johnny Mays. That trick try? I can't really lose count. Um, was, was really, really just aware of the space. And then the run through... Um, which I think then set up was it May second try? I can't there were so many when Young's chipped it over the top and Ashton Ashton called that um, Young's chipped it over the top Ashton collects and then it goes out wide for someone to score. Um, it's a very odd feeling watching the England team where there's just that many tries that you forget who scored what and when they scored them. Um, but from an England point of view, I think probably one of Sale's best international um, games in. A long, long time, um, perhaps ever. You know, it's just unbelievable, wasn't it? And I think, yeah, and I think it's so important. And this is one of the most underrated aspects of having a sale representative in these national squads is that feeling of, I mean, I, uh, as a sale fan, that feeling of pride almost. But this recognition of sale as a club, and the fact that on Saturday and Sunday with millions of people watching across Europe and, and indeed worldwide, you're, you're having these players like Ashton, like Curry, and as we'll go on to a little bit later, Josh Strauss, for example, playing in these, these huge, important test arenas as a representative from Sale. And it brings that, that recognition, the fact that these are players who have honed their craft, who are p- performing week in, week out, for sale, and, and I think there is there is no greater feeling than watching not only watching players like Tom Curry and Chris Ashton do a, an extremely exceptional job for England, but the fact that these players, as they're doing this on the biggest stage, in the same breath, Nick Mullins or Eddie Butler or whoever else is saying of Sale Sharks, and I think that is so so important. The fact that we have these representatives to begin with, but the fact that they're then moving on to dictate games and create game-winning plays or become sort of cool icons within the wider rugby world. It's, it's just going to do nothing but positive things for Sale as a brand and Sale as a club. And the fact that 
as we return to Premiership action, the, the club's marketing department can can turn to these performances that everybody has been watching and say, if you like watching Tom Curry absolutely obliterate the French back row, you can also watch it every week at, at the AJ Bell Stadium. And I think it's a massive selling point for the club. And it is so fantastic to see these players not only be representatives within the wider international squads but being those game changers and and making a difference on the biggest test stage arguably the biggest test stage in world rugby yeah absolutely and to pick up on Josh Strauss as well I thought he had a really good game for Scotland Um, probably the best he's played all season I thought even in a losing cause Um, I'd I'd say that given he's not done a massive amount for us this season Um, but it's just so encouraging because you know, when was the last time we had players across multiple nations in the Six Nations? I mean, when was the last time we had players in the Six Nations, for heaven's sake? Um, but for him to go out and perform Scotland as well, sadly losing to Ireland, um, well, not that sad, I'm an England fan, um, but sad for him. Um, I think it's just, and you see what's coming through as well, and, you know, there's probably an argument that Ross Harrison needs to come through. Ben Curry definitely has to be in the reckoning for England in a couple of years. Um, you know, we've got all these internationals that are going in and out, as, as you say, spreading the word across multiple games over multiple weekends. I mean, even when, you know, you might go and watch Ireland and it's Will Addison of Sale Sharks Academy. Um, and for a long time, I suppose, the issue was that our international, international players from Sale Sharks Academy existed, but they were playing at Saracens or Wasps or wherever. Whereas now, those international players from our academy are still at the club because the structure is that much better and the, the money is there and the ambition is there and etc cetera, etc cetera, that they as you say they are upsell sharks because no one's going to go on telly and say oh yeah Richard Wigglesworth absolute legend of Saracens but he was also a sell sharks academy uh, and won the league with them because no one remembers it whereas you know when Tom Curry's at sell sharks that's what the recognition we're getting and I think it's fully deserved for, for the academy as well because they've nurtured these players into the brilliant talents they are so a massively positive weekend of international rugby not just because England absolutely battled France yeah and just really quickly on Josh Strauss um very quick start to pull out which highlights the impact he had on the game he made 29 tackles for Scotland which is a Scottish record for a single Six Nations match so certainly a a player who is having uh, an impact uh, for his national team However, Tom Curry, Chris Ashton and Josh Strauss were not the only representatives from Sale playing Test International Rugby over the weekend. Indeed, Sale had three players playing uh, t- uh, Test Rugby, uh, albeit for Tier 2 teams, including AJ McGinty, who continued his rehabilitation from injury with an 18-minute performance for the USA as they were defeated 45 points to 14 against an Argentinian development 15 as part of the America's Rugby Championship. Uh, and in addition to McGinty, Sale also had two representatives playing for the Russian national team. Valery Morozov played 62 minutes and Andrei Ashkov played 80 minutes uh, as the Russians fell 16 points to 14 to Spain. So obviously not necessarily that good of a weekend in terms of international rugby for Sale sales players uh, in terms of actual on-field results. A great weekend for the club off the field in terms of representation uh, across um, multiple continents and countries. But it is great to see that not only are Sale players making impact 
at the top level in international rugby, but there is also a healthy pipeline of players playing in the uh, the secondary competitions as well and, and ensuring that <laughs> sale as a brand are continuing to grow in places as diverse as uh, America, Argentina uh, and Russia. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's no bad thing for players like that to be... It's better for AJ Mienti to be overplaying for the USA against an Argentine in development 15 than it is to be in a meaningless game at home to Newcastle. Um, you know... The high international going and playing for the country means a lot to those players, as we've seen for any number of uh, whether it be two, one, two, 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 three, whatever. Um, so I think it's just again a really positive thing for the club that we've got that balance really sort of struck right because you do need that. You, you don't want a team full of internationals because that's what we had in two thousand six, seven. They're all. Everyone realised they were brilliant because they won the Premiership, and then uh, they all went off playing in such a rugby, and we finished ninth. Um, so, I think it is very much uh, being done better this time round, but a massively positive for those players. And hopefully, we see AJ McGinty, especially back in Salshire, having taken a lot away from it um, from this international window. And that leads us very neatly on to this week for sale and one player that we do expect to see make a return uh, to Premiership action is AJ McGinty the deal that was struck uh, as it were with the USA Rugby was that McGinty would play the first two games of their America's Rugby Cup uh, America's Rugby Championship pardon me uh, competition um, before returning back to the sale uh, first team in line with the Sharks' return to Premiership action and it is that fixture that we are going to focus on now, now unfortunately, James couldn't be with us this week. He's currently in the Maldives, but we was able to send us a couple of key points for players uh, and things to watch out for as Sale travel down to Franklin's Gardens to play Northampton Saints as the Premiership resumes this weekend. So just to set the tone, as uh, uh, as I think it'd be fair to say a lot of people might have forgotten. Sale actually go into the resumption of Premiership action in a very strong position. They're fifth in the Premiership table on 29 points. And actually, if results go their way at the weekend, they could even make it into the top four should Gloucester and Quinns uh, struggle to pick up points against uh, the Chiefs and Worcester, respectively. Now, both of those teams are at home to their opposition. So... Sale will need as much as much help as they can get. However, it is a very exciting opportunity for the Sharks to potentially, uh, if not push into the top four, continue to break away from that middle tier of teams in the table, which also includes Northampton, who are currently ninth on 26 points. So it's a fascinating game uh, in terms of how things stand on the table and what effect it might ultimately have on how the standings look at the end of the season. And unsurprisingly, this is a must-win game, as they will all be between now and the end of the season. Alex, before I go into James's points that he wanted me to mention, is there anything that you want you want to mention to set the scene ahead of this game on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's a massive opportunity for sale. We had the home game against Northampton, which was um, a scrappy, sort of pretty dire two-point win or whatever it was in the end um, and we went away to Northampton last season and absolutely tonked them in the first half uh, just blitzed them from the start and that ended up winning us the game I think we have to go there and expect to win 
I think we're a better team than Northampton at the moment, depending on what internationals they get back and all that sort of um, politics will depend on what kind of game it is. But I think we we have to sort of take what we had at the end of that Saracens game and look at it and go, right, that's where we were in the Premiership and we have to go from there. We can't sort of come back into it at a slow pace because this is a real opportunity for sale, especially with the smaller number of internationals we have compared to most teams to make a big claim for, as you say, moving away from the middle of the pack and getting up into that top sort of echelons of the league. Um, I think, from a Northampton point of view, it's a pretty big game for them because if they lose, then it does start to put them at the bottom of the league. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a sort of, if, if we win, we'll both move very far away from each other. And if, if they win, we'll both move very close to each other so it is as you say a sort of it turns both ways doesn't it either we drag ourselves back down into that middle of the league relegation area or we push ourselves back up into the, the top half so I'm really excited I'm just excited for Premiership Rugby to come back I'm excited to see the Stale team come back together um, I'm excited to see AJ McGinty back at 10 it'll be a very exciting game you're finally probably going to get your um, dream of O'Connor and McGinty as a 10 or 12 axes, so I'm assuming you're absolutely buzzing. I think James is going to talk a bit about Northampton, but from a sale point of view, a massive opportunity to take what we had at the end of the Saracens game, that atmosphere and that you know sort of feeling around the team, and push on from it. It, it never ceases to amaze me how close this table is this this season, given that Harlequins are currently third with 33 points. Bristol are tenth on twenty four points, and depending on how results shake out uh, this weekend, uh, Sale could go as high as third, and Saints could drop as low as tenth. It is all within, uh, all with a few points within each other, and it is just a fascinating sort of balance between, as we discussed, these teams who are sort of pushing top four, and these teams who could very well still be sucked into a relegation battle given that Worcester are a length on 21 points and if all results shake out well for them, they could be equal with Saints by the end of Saturday. Um, with that in mind, we've set the scene very well. So James has, like I said, managed to put together a few points for us in terms of what we should be keeping an eye out for. And it's unsurprising that he's gone for a very similar theme uh, regarding the prospective Northampton team, given that it all revolves around their internationals. His main point is that we must hope that Dan Bigger and Courtney Laws aren't available. Two players who've been in sterling form for their respective countries in the Six Nations so far. It remains to be seen how the respective unions will manage those players in a rest in a Six Nations rest week, uh, as it will be for Sale as well, who might be without Tom Curry, Chris Ashton uh, and Josh Strauss. But even if the Saints don't have Dan Bigger and Courtney Laws available. They do have a number of players to look out for. And one player that James has specifically highlighted is David Ribbons, who is, and I quote, a monster at lock. He's also identified one for the future, Aaron Painter, who he's claimed will be a future tight head for England and is currently the first choice at Saints ahead of Ben Franks and Paul Hill, despite Painter himself only being 21. Yeah, two players that we do know about, though, um, Tamar Harrison and Cobus Rymack, who James has also highlighted, uh, who he, uh, I, I quote, on fire this season. I think that's probably fair. I think Harrison's found his best form again 
since having that sort of dip when he got dropped from the England team and etc uh, etc et uh, Kermis Reinach has always put the fear of God into me with his pace um, and he's made us look quite silly quite a few times I think earlier this season my player to watch ahead of the Northampton game at home was Reinach so again I think there are probably bigger issues for us now but he will be very exciting and Harrison is just a beast at eight and he really has brought something special to this Northampton team that I think when they lost Pickamoles, they sort of were in a bit of a state of what to do, and Harrison's come in and filled that gap at eight really nicely. Um, so James thinks if we can stop Harrison and Ryan out, get Ben Curry to get in James Grayson's face, it'll be fine. Uh, which I broadly agree with, to be fair. Um, James Grayson played against us at home uh, in the reverse fixture and didn't have a great game by all, by all accounts, but by my account, I was there. Um, he didn't kick any of his goals from memory and um, sort of got shut down quite a lot by our back row um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes I think that's why Big is so important because Northampton's depth at 10 then gets very young it's sort of a similar situation to us now if we hadn't brought Rob Dupree in we could play Wilkinson and as much as James Grayson and Kieran Wilkinson are both great talents they're not premiership starters yet uh, by any stretch of the imagination Yeah absolutely and I think Northampton, like a lot of teams uh, in the Premiership this season, are a team that have the potential to struggle during the Six Nations because of how important and how talented that their top end of talent is. We've mentioned Bigger, we've mentioned Laws. These are obviously fantastic players who will have an impact on the game. And if they are without them, it does make a big difference, as as it would do for Sale if they lose um, Tom Curry and Chris Ashton. But there are a couple of big names that 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 have uh, that James has mentioned. Obviously, Reinach, I have to agree, he's been arguably the form scrum half in the Premiership this season alongside uh, De Klerk and that's going to be a fantastic, uh, fascinating one-on-one battle um, between two uh, scrum halves both of whom to an extent will, will still harbour Springbok uh, ambitions especially ahead of the World Cup and, and Reinach has done his potential chances uh, absolutely no harm but one player we also wanted to highlight who perhaps might go slightly under the radar compared to those big international names is Fraser Dingwell, uh, who is a, a centre for the Saints, who has broken through into the first team uh, this season and been a significant um, contributing factor to the upturn in fortunes the Saints have experienced uh, so far this season. He's someone who's uh, well in the midst with England under-20s and James has him pegged as a potential captain for the under-20s, uh, either this season or next. But Dingwell is an absolute talent to watch out for. He's an incredibly dangerous player with, with his pace and his vision and his ability to uh, sneak through tackles. And he's definitely uh, a key man to keep an eye on uh, in the Saints' backline, in addition to the, the perhaps slightly more established names that a lot of Sale fans will already be familiar with. One other name Sale fans will be familiar with, Mitchell. And... Not the one way of thinking of James Mitchell who went to Connacht, but his younger brother Alex. And I'm so impressed that I managed to pick out a young player that James has missed off because every time I've watched since this season, Alex Mitchell has either come off the bench or started and been absolutely brilliant. I think he's slightly better than his brother. Um, apologies, I know we shouldn't speak ill of Sale players, uh, either current or past. Um, but he has been electric on the field this season and he just brings an extra level of pace in Northampton's game, which is mad when you consider how fast Reinach is, but Reinach's passing from the base is actually not as fast as you would expect, whereas Mitchell really gets them going and really gets the speed into the attack. And I think Chris Boyd really likes him because he sort of 
epitomizes that New Zealand hurricane style of play where it's you know we when we have a chance to attack we just go and we go and we go and we're so much pace that the opposition don't want to do um, so it's one player that I think we definitely need to watch out for uh, it's easy to look at Ryan Ackham and go right once we've got Ryan Ackham we, we can sort of rest you absolutely can't because Mitchell will come to you apart um, so I think he is uh, um, another key player that probably will have a bigger involvement on Saturday than anyone else I'm assuming the game's on Saturday it is on Saturday yes uh I, I know that because that is a game I will be intending in person. My first time to Franklin's Gardens, I'm very excited. And uh, uh, if you are travelling down as a cell phone, make sure you do say hi. I'll be the very, very tall, uh, young, blonde man. Um, but obviously, Saints as a team are definitely on the up. And after a bit of a tumultuous season last season, you can see that the form is starting to rebound. And that's what makes Saturday's game just so enticing a prospect. This idea that obviously Saints can climb back into the top six uh, with a win over uh, the Sharks on Saturday. They have a lot to play for as well. They are currently in the Challenge Cup quarterfinals. They've uh, they've beaten off. Uh, they beat Newcastle uh, last weekend uh, to progress to the final of the Premiership Rugby Cup. There is a good feeling around uh, Northampton and Franklin's Gardens at the moment around this team, and obviously a big factor of that has been Chris Boyd, who's come in um, from the Hurricanes and, and made a significant difference in terms of the Saints on-field style. And it will be a fascinating game because there is plenty of attacking talent. There's plenty of uh, of star talent in the forwards as well. And it is shaping up to be a very, very important game. It is interesting as well because obviously this is a game that sailed one-handedly last season. It was one of uh, the Sharks' best performances on the road in a good few years when they were able to go down to Franklin's Gardens uh, and win with a bonus point. But it will be interesting to see, obviously, how far the club have managed to grow in terms of on-field ability when they go down to Northampton and can they beat a resurgent Northampton team that will undoubtedly be a little bit harder to play against than they were last season. It's shaping up to be an absolutely fantastic prospect and what a way uh, to get back in uh, to the Premiership rugby season. Right, Alex, uh, in terms of the sale team then, uh, obviously we've mentioned a couple of players who've recently made uh, returns from injuries. Van Rensburg, McGinty will be back from international duty. Potentially we might have Tom Curry and Chris Ashton and Josh Strauss available, depending on what happens with the unions. Uh, how would you line up the team to face Northampton? <laughs> so I think it's the front row picks itself these days, Harrison, Weber, John. Uh, going to the second row, I think you've got to say Beaumont and Phillips are probably starters now. Um, Evans and Ostrakov started against Newcastle. I don't think either are. I don't think Ostrakov is quite back to sort of the level he was at last season. Um, and we've said many times that he benefits from more game time, but I think it will be Beaumont and Phillips starting. Um, and then back row is a difficult one isn't it because you've got Ross and Curry as sort of you guaranteed and then what do you do at 8 do you bring Neil in at 6 and move Ross to 8 that's probably one possibility um, it very much depends on what Curry and Strauss are doing I don't know how many minutes Josh Strauss has played for Scotland um, it will be on our Twitter somewhere actually won't it um, but if he's he's probably got enough in the tank to play for us Ashton has probably got enough in the tent to play for us. I think Tom Curry definitely needs a rest, but that's no issue because we've got an identical version called Ben. Um, so that would be my pack. I'd probably end up going with Strauss at eight and Ross at six, unless Strauss desperately needs a rest, in which case move Ross to eight and go Neil at six. 
Uh, I'll let you go in the forwards before I dive into the backs because I don't want to have my voice for too long. But are there any changes you would make to that eight? No, I think there's a big question is if Strauss is available and if Strauss isn't, uh, if Strauss and Curry aren't available, what do the sale brass do? Because I think if Tom Curry's available and Josh Strauss isn't, I would not be surprised to see us play Curry, Curry and have John Ross play number eight. That would appear to be the go-to set up in the back row if we don't have an established number eight. If we don't have Curry and Strauss, then all of a sudden our depth is actually looking a little bit thin. Do you play uh, Ross at eight? most likely, but then who do you play at six? Is it Cameron Neald, or do you look at potentially playing someone like James Phillips at six for the first time this season, given that it's a position you played with Bath? There's also the possibility of maybe moving Beaumont to eight and bringing Evans back in at four, or Sam Moore, who made his return from injury um, uh, a couple of weekends ago uh, for the sale first team. He might be an option to, to come in and spot start for 60 minutes before someone like Cameron Neald comes on and, and John Ross shifts to number eight. So it's a really, really interesting dilemma uh, if the international players aren't available. I would probably go for Sam Moore at eight if his ability, if his, uh, if his fitness allows for it, and keep Ross at six and keep Tom Curry, uh, sorry Ben Curry uh, at seven. However, I would imagine that the Sale coaching staff will probably elect for Beaumont at eight. Ross at six, Curry at seven, and then move Bryn Evans in uh, at number four to replace Beaumont. Given that the, given the assets and given the sort of squad that the club have available to him, that's how I envision them using it. I don't necessarily know if that is how I would do it, but it is unfortunate that we've lost two of our uh, most important back row players uh, on the same weekend. But such is having international caliber players. Yeah, exactly, and I think Beaumont has shown that he is um, more than capable of stepping in at eight, and his pace will probably come in useful against a pretty fast Northampton um, tack around the rook area and off the scrum, so I don't think there's any danger in putting Beaumont at eight. I actually quite like that idea to keep Ross at six, which I'm a big fan of. Um, so yeah, I think I think that is a good shout. Sam Moore, I don't think he looked... Well, he definitely looked rusty when he came back against Newcastle. He didn't have a massive impact on the game. Um, obviously, he's a really talented player, and there was there is much more to come from him. And I'm sure we'll see more of him this season. Uh, whether we bring him in for this game because of the way it sets the tone for uh, the rest of the Premiership, I'm not sure. Uh, going into the backs, Declerc obviously at nine, and we assume we're going to ten. Uh, personally, it'd be O'Connor and James in the centres for me. Uh, I think that partnership is really starting to blossom and I don't see any reason to split it up. And then Wings, um, it sort of picks itself these days, doesn't it? With probably Solomon and McGregor with someone at fullback. Oh, that's an issue. Hopefully Ashton at fullback. Well, I think that, a, a bit like number eight, that could be a deciding factor. Who plays at fullback? And I actually believe if we don't have Chris Ashton available, we might see Sam James at 15 again. Because I think the decision comes down to whether or not you have James at 15 or Byron McGuigan at 15 uh, and then potentially have Aaron Reid or Paolo Adogu on the wing depending on who's available given the under-20s window. So I think that's what could end up being a deciding factor in how we shake up the first team if Ashton isn't available. And I think actually what we are likely to see is O'Connor at 12, Luke James at 13, and Sam James at 15, 
going off what we've seen in terms of decision making from the cell coaching staff over the past couple of seasons my inkling is that they'll trust James to play th- Luke James to play 13 uh, and trust Sam James slightly more to play 15 over McGuigan and keep Solomon and McGuigan on the wings yeah well they played for James at 15 against Newcastle didn't they which I think Ben might have been looking at in life without Ashton so to speak um, definitely James is at 15 at all I think you can tell he's a converted banker when he plays at 15 which he can't when he plays at centre. Um, he just hasn't got the, the sort of the raw pace to attack from the fullback position. He did a great job, don't get me wrong. Um, I did absolutely nothing wrong, but uh, Sam James would be my preference at 15 based on performances this season. I think he's been our second best performer at 15 after Ashton. So um, I see no reason that if Ashton can't play, I think you have to put James, Sam James at 13. And then you've got options in the centre, haven't you? Because you've got Pamela's Berg O'Connor. Uh, Luke James, you know, you, you've got, you can do all sorts of combinations with that. Uh, but we're still looking like, you know, we can put out a pretty strong team, which depends on the status of international players, I suppose. It's, it is a nice problem to have, and it does show that Sale obviously have a few more options than perhaps we, we could say we did have in previous years, given that we've just been able to reel off five or six squad members outside the of the established first team that might be in line for a start. Bearing in mind the potential lineup combinations, then Alex, let's do a very quick prediction. Sale in fifth, Northampton in ninth, a tricky away game against the resurgent uh, Northampton team at Franklin's Gardens. How do you expect to see the final scoreline play out? So I'm quite confident about this one. I think it's going to be. Why am I confident? That means we're going to lose. Uh, 33 um, 24 to Sale is my prediction. Um, and I'm sure I'll be proved incredibly wrong as usual but uh, hey ho there's nothing wrong with being optimistic at this stage of the season is there? No, and I'm keeping the optimism flowing. Uh, I think Sale will pick up as a second consecutive uh, away win at Franklin's Gardens, 25 points to 20. I have a feeling it's going to be very close and having AJ McGinty back as a designated place kicker will ultimately make a, a big difference in terms of deciding the final score. Yeah, absolutely. Right, uh, one final thing just before we go is we need to have a look at whether our predictive powers are any good and put to the test of the Six Nations Fantasy League that we set up. I don't think uh, I want to look at this. Yeah, I don't think you want to either. <laughs> now, looking at it, um, we've got a actually a great amount of entries. I'm just going to find our final number because there are three pages on this. Um, oh, that's not helpful. 46? No, there's 46 ranks, so there's loads of people in it. I can't even, it doesn't even tell me how many. Um, but Lewis Hughes um, languishing third from bottom in the relegation zone with world citizens. Um, this, is, and, this is punishment for me trying too hard to be a rugby hipster and putting in Antoine Dupont as my starting scrum half and Damien Pano as, my, uh, as one of my starting wingers. To be fair, they both look great um, when they're playing for France, but unfortunately, <laughs> they're a dreadful French team. And, they've also, and Dupont, Dupont didn't, hasn't even started a game yet. I'm not going to lie, I, I might have forgotten to uh, pick up my fantasy team uh, uh, yeah. during the second round, um, But and I think as a result, I still have Maro Atoji and CJ Standerin, neither of whom played uh, at the weekend. Uh, so I think it's very easy to see where my uh, fantasy downfall has, has come from but I am resolved to actually make a, a proper go of it this week and, and maybe pick some more established players rather than trying to go for uh, an Italian flanker 
Although I must admit, is Federico Ruzza has looked fantastic for the Italians in two substitute appearances so far. Definitely a player to keep an eye out for. I'm, I'm enjoying watching the Italians and French this year just because uh, it's been a great opportunity to pick out some lesser-known names that you can uh, you can claim that you, uh, you knew loads about when they eventually become stars in a few years' time. Yeah, I know. We always, I always look at the Italians and think there's some great players there and then they all go to France and make an absolute shed leg and I think, oh, you shouldn't come to sale, but... Um, you know that is the nature of the Six Nations isn't it some French team will throw a load of money at all the good ones uh, right moving back up the league picking out a couple of good team names Inglorious Fasteroid Sarah Harris um, Sarah's in the bottom half but um, you get a shout out for a very good team name uh, once you get up to um, 20th Will Jones with Luke McAllister's thighs which is a great team name and a great shout out to a great player Um as you go up to 18th, uh, Champagne Solomon, which is my team. Um, did you actually just of, did you actually just give yourself a, sh- a shout out? Not on the team, Dave. <laughs> I'm just saying where I am. I'm mid table. Sort of distressing, but you know, not too bad. Um, Kieran Critchard with Hawaii Trio, uh, which I quite like. Peter Flynn with Farrell's Wrapped Arms, which is a very good team name. Um, and then when we get to the top, Lawrence Smith, who has a total of 193 points, leads the league by eight points with scrumming like it's hot. Um, that is the league at the moment. There are three more rounds to go. Uh, we need to announce some prizes, which we will get around to. Um, so if anyone's still waiting on those, they are still happening. Uh, but thanks everyone for entering. And don't go and Lewis and forget to update your team next week. I'll tweet something out and make sure I tag Lewis in it so that he can pick some players who are actually playing this week and he might stand the chance. Yeah, I mean, this is all well and good, but when I pick half my team coming from the Italians uh, in in a vain hope that they're eventually going to do something in this competition, uh, I think we'll realise that. I'm just wasting my time with this competition. But it is, it is, it's actually fantastic to see how many people have got involved. We are really appreciative of the fact that everyone seems so keen to sort of join us when we when we set up an endeavour like this and, and, and keep playing. Like like Alex said, don't do it with me. Uh, actually pick your team um, and, and keep getting involved. We, we, know we love the fact that we can throw out mid-season awards on Twitter and people participate. We love the fact that we no matter what's happening in terms of sale uh, in terms of what's happening on the field or off the field that we always get great engagement the fact that we've actually been able uh, to still have stuff to tweet about over the last couple of weeks and the fact that people are actually responding to it given the, the complete lack of, of sort of sale news and sale coverage uh, is 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 the is, is a great in, in indicator of just how, how sort of vibrant our, our growing sort of listener base is and uh, you know we obviously want to make sure that even whilst Six Nations is on and even whilst people have different rugby priorities uh, we're still able um, to keep things ticking over in terms of uh, in terms of sale related content so apologies for, not, for no podcast last week but we hope we've managed to make up for it this week with, with quite a bumper episode of just of little pieces here and there as we go back into a, a sort of more systematic format next week with the, with the uh, resumption of uh, Premiership action yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it and I hope you enjoy the game at Franklin's Gardens and I hope to God we win because um, that'll be a great day out for you and if we lose, it'll be a little bit rubbish but uh, it'll be a good weekend next week and with no Six Nations on, nice to see um, some Premiership rugby come back and I guess that's probably all from us, isn't it? Just thanks to everyone for listening, thanks to everyone for entering the league best of luck to Mark Jennings with the sabbatical, hope it all goes well 
thanks Lewis for another great week of podcasting Oh, thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. We we do really appreciate it, even as understandably people's interest might wane a little bit. Um, we we appreciate the fact that everyone tuned into our mid-season episode. And and if you haven't heard it yet, uh, I don't know how you listen to this podcast and and haven't listened to it. But we do have an exclusive interview with Sharks co-owner Simon Orange. It's still up on our SoundCloud on our Spotify page as well um, that we've uh, we've set up so if you prefer to listen to podcasts through Spotify uh, that's now available we also are available on iTunes as well um, and every so often I, I do check in because um, a lot of people have left some very positive reviews on our iTunes page as well um, so we are trying to make it so that there is many options uh, for everyone to listen to the podcast as possible we appreciate everyone who tunes in and uh, we're really looking forward to, to getting back into it with Premiership Rugby this week we'll chat to you guys after Franklin's Gardens and the Saints game next week. And yes, we will push the Simon Orange podcast to the end of time.